everyone and welcome back to What a Barb, a Pollen podcast. I'm Ops and this week I'm joined by Lecky Veg and Beans as we continue our rewatch of season one of Bridgerton. Best up. Hi everyone, how y'all doing? How's America? I am excellente, babe. <laughs> Very hot but gloomy today. I'm fine. I'm staying at my parents' house. <gasps> and the road less travelled looks... Is that Taylor Swift? That is Taylor Swift. See, you recognised it. No, I, I just assumed because you're both fans. I also inferred, yeah. <laughs> I don't know any other songs. <laughs> So that's a good assumption. (laughs) With a very small knowledge of music. So we're all good. So this week we'll be breaking down everything Penn and Colin from season one, episode three, Art of the Swoon. But before we get started on this episode, we've actually got Beans with us to take us through the breaking crumbs of the week. Beans, my crumbs queen, how are you doing? What's going on? I am doing well. How are you doing? (laughs) You know, I've had I've had a day, listeners. I you know this. So I woke up at six in the morning with my heart racing. Basically, I'd had a horrible nightmare that season three had come out. I was walking in Tesco's, which I don't know is like the equivalent of Walmart somewhere. I was walking in Tesco's and Trisky, our friend Trisky, was messaging me on Reddit saying how horrific the season was, that Colin never realised he loved Penn, but they somehow had a child. Penelope had got married. What was her name? Can you remember? Oh, it was Penelope Manstree. And she'd had a child called Abta Munchtree, <laughs> who is actually Abta, Abta Bridgerton. She didn't even get married to Deafling. <laughs> he was, <laughs> what kind of name is that? He was actually Colin's child, I think. I don't know how this happened in one season, because this is like a fully grown child. Mm-hmm. Um, it was horrific. It was just like a really bad season. We all cried. And I yeah. woke up with my heart pounding. Yeah. I like frantically was messaging you all at six in the morning. I was like, and I, and I haven't been able to shake it. So I really, really need you to tell me any crumb that is going to take the horror that I endured out of today. What's going on, babes? A lot's going on. Well, first of all, Nick and Phoebe were at Wimbledon together and we're just like chatting it up. So that was cool. Good for them. Didn't they look amazing? They looked love to see it. stunning. They looked absolutely stunning. Stunning babes. Mm-hmm. Next up, Seize Them, the movie that Nicola is going to be in. It's a female-led medieval comedy starring Amy Lou Wood from Sex Education. It's going to be released on August 18th. So got something to look forward to. I know. Is anything else being released in the near future? Oh my goodness. How, how could we um, ever forget... <laughs> Barbie's coming out in a couple of weeks and as we all know Nick is going to be part of Barbie. They had their London premiere. For us it was yesterday. But she looked insane. Stunning? Might I say again she looked absolutely (laughs) stunning. (laughs) Her outfit was gorgeous. It was like this sort of champagne-y like Mm -hmm. really like tight body hugging with corset bit corsetry and it was like covered in like teardrop gems Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which she said in an interview with vogue that it was inspired by barbie and bridgerton she said i've had the privilege of wearing so many incredible costumes on bridgerton especially in season three i really got a new appreciation for corsetry (laughs) excuse my american sensibilities (laughs) 
And Amy and I said it would be so nice to start incorporating the corset on the red carpet. It's a little bit of a bridge between Barbie and Bridgerton. Amy is her stylist, I believe. Yes, she is. She's dressed for quite a few events. I think it's Amy Crosdale. It's a huge year for Nick. It's huge. I know. It's so exciting. Oh, but you know, on top of all of that, she has her show that's coming out this year too, besides Bridgerton. That like other show that she's doing. Yeah, so just... It's a huge year for Nick. Yeah, great year for her. Okay, so in a do 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 award season news, <laughs> um, season. Yeah, Queen Charlotte was nominated for three Emmys this year. Um, the team was nominated for outstanding character voiceover for Julie Andrews. So woo woo, Julie Andrews, babe, yeah. love it. Um, outstanding period costumes and outstanding period and or character hairstyling. I'm just saying, have you ever seen anything more well-deserved than the, co- I mean, the costumes, the hairstyling? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was a different period than what we've seen. Well, it was a combination yeah. of periods mm-hmm. and they just killed it. And what's like, I just say like, again, huge shout out to costuming, makeup, wig design, all of that, mm-hmm. because a lot of the people who worked on that team for Queen Charlotte then immediately started working mm-hmm for Bridgerton season three there was a huge crossover between those people and so they just like put in the work that it's just stunning work so well deserved well done Queen Charlotte team I think that is time that we have to talk about a rumor that's been happening okay you're very good at grounding us during our spirals we've had many spirals over the past year Is this something we need to contain? So there's been a little bit of a rumor that it's been confirmed that season four is Ben. There has not really been any confirmation from Shonda's team, Netflix, or anyone Mm -hmm. that it will be Ben's season until it comes from like a really reputable source, Deadline, Mm -hmm. Shondaland, Netflix, Julia Quinn, or any of the actors on the show, we're not going to really have any season for information for a while. Just so you guys know, sorry to bring things down a little bit. We have to spiral and theorize as much as the next people. And we're going to spiral in about four or five seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. Let's jump down. (laughs) All right. Because let's talk Sam Phillips. Our Lord Debling. We found out we were looking at his spotlight again. Which is like... Um, if you don't know, a spotlight is kind yes. of a CV for actors, if you will. So it kind of show, has all the information about what they've been in and maybe upcoming projects as well. And so on that, it lo- listed him, his character for Bridgerton, and then it listed two of the directors. I think it was Trisha Brock and Andrew Arn. Yes, correct. Apologies if I said any of those wrong. And we haven't talked about directors yet. In we're gonna we're planning on doing like a some production episodes in the future. Mm-hmm. So I'll look forward to that, babes. <laughs> Trisha Brock is going to be doing the first two episodes, and Andrew on I believe is doing episodes five and six. From what we've guessed, we can't say that yeah. concretely, but that is what we're guessing. Which means that Debling is going to play. Um, a larger role in the second half of the season, which I find so interesting. Because Trish is doing book one. So is he, he's like, so in this theory, he'll be pairing and then maybe disappearing mm-hmm. and then reappearing in maybe block three? Maybe. I will say this. They don't always mm-hmm. list. So he could be in like block two as well. This is a spiral, everyone. This is absolutely a spiral. But like Spotlight is updated by their agents so they probably like 
they don't always put all of the directors or whatever in there. Um, so it, he could be in like the entire season or he just disappears for two episodes and nobody knows where he goes. Because we are going to get into it, but we strongly suspect pure theory that he's going to be the main contender for Penn as a suitor. So yes. if in this theory he he's in the initial first few episodes and then he disappears and reappears later in the season... We'll we'll do some ruminating and see yeah. what we can pull from it. My running theory is that maybe he discovers that Penn is Lady Whistledown before Ooh. Colin. Yes. Mm-hmm. My thought was, what if he follows her or, like, figures out that she's Lady Whistledown. It's fine with mm-hmm. it. And, like, encourages her. They have a meeting because maybe he becomes, like, a benefactor or something. Or he, not even a benefactor. He helps her, like, get it out without being detected, which would mm-hmm. be really cool. And then Colin... When he goes to the church, boop, 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 spoilers, (laughs) he sees them together and is not as mad that she's Lady Whistledown, but is more mad (laughs) that she's with Dempley. (laughs) I'd love it. Yeah, we just pulled this out of thin air. We just got very overexcited for this. But yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, we do have a little bit more of a serious note to turn to at the end of Crumbs. Yeah. What we did want to talk about really quickly is we record on a different day from when we record the crumbs later. So as of today, while we're recording, the actors that are part of SAG have officially decided to strike here in America. And so we just wanted to send all of our support to them. If you would like to support them, we're going to list a couple of links that you can do in our show notes this week at this week and then we'll also include it in like our instagram stories and places that you can go to support the actors um yeah and get more information striking now with the writers so yes yeah i think the writers have been on the picket for 70 odd days so yeah all our support and love goes to them right and just pay your creators yeah that simple pay your creators there are some of us who are part of the podcast who know people who are part of the industry and so we just want to send as much support to them as we can and um yeah pay your artists <laughs> <laughs> it's that simple but yeah everything will be linked below and i yeah. think that's it so let's jump into our rewatch just a reminder that there'll be spoilers ahead for both seasons of Bridgerton, the book series, and potentially discussion of season three filming leaks. You've been warned. We do have a bit of a quiet episode ahead of us today. <laughs> so quiet, in fact, that Colin doesn't speak a single word the entire episode. Bless his little soul. But he's still there. We'll still point him out every time we can, which is a total of twice. Um, and like last week, we don't actually have any scenes with Penn and Colin together. But we are a pollen podcast who is determined to bring you any content we can. So we're going to harvest this episode for everything it's worth. Although it's a quiet episode on the pollen front, the episode does lay the groundwork for everything that's coming next. So it's kind of like the calm before the storm and it's going to be quite a storm ahead of us. Just to ease us in, Lady Veg, do you want to give us an episode summary before we dive in? Dearest gentle listener, as the ton attend the opening of a new art wing at Somerset House, Simon and Daphne continue to grow closer. Meanwhile, Prince Friedrich arrives in London and fixes his attentions onto Daphne. Marina continues to wait for news from George, much to the annoyance of Lady Featherington. Sienna rejects Antony's attempts at a reconciliation, and after Simon ends their friendship, one word for it, Daphne sets her sights <laughs> on wooing le prince, the prince. <laughs> <laughs> So, let's get started on the episode. 
a first sight of Penelope is her impatiently standing by her window. She's looking out into the street below. It's quite a common scene. We often see her waiting by the window, but usually she's on Lady Whistledown duty. So she's up to her old tricks, looking for gossip, keeping an eye on things. But she's not doing that today. She's waiting for the post to turn up. I will say that um, she looks very, like, girlish in this outfit. And just the way she runs down the hall in this scene is just very girlish to me. I think there's a lot of moments in this episode where she's the youngest we ever really see her. And it's like, how much of that is intentional? How much of that is her being her and needing to see the contrast between someone like Marina? But, you know, she spots the, I don't know what the Regency equivalent of the Royal Mail is, but the postie rocks up Featherington House. So she runs from the window, heads down the stairs, past two sisters, and starts rifling through the silver platter full of letters that arrived. But it's no good. It's clear that what she's looking for hasn't arrived. So I really like how she like throws her hands down in like frustration. Again, it's like quite a childlike action. It's very sweet. Mm-hmm. She's quite adorable in this episode, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, agreed. She heads up to Marina's bedroom and it turns out that Marina has been exiled thanks to her condition. Um, and her cousin's kind of pacing around anxiously. And the moment that Penn walks through the door, Marina's like, anything? But Penn just kind of shakes her head. So it's clear both kind of in cahoots together one little tiny thing that i don't know if any of you saw but when penelope walks through the door um it's from so marina's kind of standing by the window looking at her and if you see there's like a little mirror in the corner and penelope is perfectly captured in the mirror as she walks through the door mm-hmm. so just a little a mirror tracker for you we we know the implication of the mirror for penelope and colin's story but throughout both season one and season two, every time she's kind of caught in a mirror, it's, it's kind of tied up with her dual identity and it's kind of hinting at the lady will sit down again, um, not just her future with Colin, but yeah. it's just a tiny little moment um, to catch up on. Yeah, it also just makes shots look more interesting. But yeah, for Penn's character, I think it's hinting at, you know, her dual identity and, you know, her lying to other people. There's also a shot, Penn is walking down the hallway before um, her confrontation with Eloise in the last episode. Yeah, when she's like smiling happily. Just before her, you know, that she's unmasked by Eloise. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Back in the room, uh, Marina kind of throws herself on the bed and it turns out that we're waiting for a letter to come from Sir George. Um, As we learned last episode, he's off fighting, I mean dying really, but fighting in Spain with Wellington's men because we've got the Napoleonic Wars. Rest in peace, uh, Sir George. Sorry about that. I will say that it is interesting that Colin goes to visit the site of a battlefield, uh, actually more than one, because he goes to France, right, as well. Yeah, I was wondering that. He does like the war tourism. He liked my dad in the Civil War. One summer we spent the just going to different places on the Civil War route, and it was interesting. But because the timeline of Romance of Mr. Bridgerton is so different, it like takes place in um, 1824, whereas this is taking place 11 years before. So the wars are different, but he's still getting himself involved. What year are we in? Well, uh, season three is 1815. Okay. The war, the war in Spain ended in 1814. But he, but he goes to France. He goes to Spain, realizes the war is over, and then hops back over to Hang France. On, is this man? Is this man going to go to France <laughs> during 1815? I guess he does, right? Like the Napoleonic Wars as a whole are still rattling right on. We're going to have to move past this, I think. So yeah, so it turns out waiting for a letter from Sir George. To be fair, Penn kind of points out that it might take a hot minute for a letter to come from the front. But Marina is kind of starting to lose faith in him a little bit. Well, let's discuss Penn's behaviour in this scene because I feel like yeah. she's trying so hard to be a good friend to Marina. Yeah. And it seems like she genuinely 
cares about the outcome of the situation with the baby and and George, and she's like so hopeful that that Marina will hear from George. Um, she's like yeah. very heavily invested in her cousins, and I think yeah. she genuinely wants her to have a happy ending. And you know, it, it's that kind of thing we talked about last episode, where she's clearly enamored with the idea of lovers passing letters across the ocean. Mm-hmm. That that shot of her rushing downstairs to get the letter. Well, I guess she does it twice in the, in this episode, but mm. it it just makes me think that like when Colin was writing to her, I wonder if she would rush downstairs yeah. like that, oh, just anxious for his next letter. She will have. She would, yeah, rifling through and got her little letter from him, and and she'll take and it'll be so beautiful, and yeah, and then you have to think as well later on in the episode where she gets the one from Spain. If he's writing to her from Spain, she'd be like, "Get in the bin, Mister Bridgerton. Get in the bin." <laughs> the scene with Marina is particularly like heartbreaking to me because it's fairly obvious how much Penn really wants to have a, like a friendship with Marina, um, and yeah. Marina is just you know dismissive obviously because she's going through like just a lot on her own end um so it's i mean it's heartbreaking for both people you know someone's getting someone's finding out that the person that they're in love with doesn't want to be with them because you see that fracturing of her faith that's starting penelope i mean penelope says to her here she says if your love is as great as your previous letters state Mm -hmm. surely he'll write back to you or perhaps even better he's already making his way so she's the romantic still believing right. and saying, like, he's going to come home to you. But Marina, understandably, because as well, you know, she's pregnant. She hasn't got time for mm-hmm. it. Her faith is starting to fracture, which is something that later in the episode, Portia is going to target. I also think this is a great example of how young both of them are, because Marina is still mm. holding on to that hope of love prevailing over all. And she is, like, hoping, like, George will come back to her and that he will be there for her and i'm sure you know he would have been and she really holds out against portia for as long as she can yeah. like it, it takes Porsche. it takes her having to stand up to the point mm-hmm. you know portia has to decimate it a slightly provocative question since we're talking about Penn and her investment in the marina and george story how much of that is coming from her genuinely wanting her cousin to be with the person she loves versus her wanting to kind of keep Colin away. Veg? Yeah, I think she's just being super cute. Mm. Like, I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's got that added benefit to her of like, yeah, then maybe Marina will have that. But I don't think she's doing it in a malicious way. She's probably thinking like, that'll be better for Marina. Marina wants him. Yeah. And it hasn't got muddied yet with all of the drama with Marina. I think that since Penelope's found out that you know marina's pregnant and that there's this love story i think she's completely like put it out of her mind she's kind of like of course like colin's not on the radar now obviously not like that's not even a possibility yeah yeah it's a benefit in a way but i just don't even think she's considering that as yeah as a possibility because you know she's because her love's gonna come back to her Marina's locked up in her room. She's been removed from society. Colin and Marina haven't interacted in some time. Mm -hmm. I I feel like she's not thinking about Colin. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, and that's all going to come, but I think at this stage in their story, I agree with you, Veg, that it's not really factoring into how she's acting, and I think she does, Mm -hmm. you know, and she's never had that friend in her family. Let's start muddying it now, though, because the cousins are interrupted by Portia and Mrs. Varley, who both storm into the room together. I love that Portia, what's Portia's line? She's like, you've been cavorting with the expectant. Brilliant. And she drags Penn away. I think this is the most childish we've ever, we've ever seen Penn act. 
But yeah, her voice really changes and it's kind of interesting, like we say, to consider how much is her being caught between actually being very young, being very naive, but also being very intelligent, being Lady Whistledown behind the scenes and just trying to present herself carefully to suit the situations that she's in. Like Ob said, Nicola employs different voices for Penelope, depending on who she's talking to and how she wants to come across. Um, but while rewatching this episode, I noticed that Madame Delacroix does the, the same thing. First of all, we know she has a fake French accent, but when she's speaking with Sienna, she has um, a very different accent compared to the scene she has with Penelope mm. in season two, when they're kind of like business partners. She's still like affecting a slightly more um, posh voice with Penelope, I think, too maybe make her seem like she's they're on equal yeah. footing yeah i love that kind of comparison which we see a lot more obviously in season two when they do kind of go into business together and i think it's a relationship that we all really want to kind of see develop but and it reminds me actually of the wedding 206 when jen comes over to penelope's house to drop off the dress and they're kind of having a chat and Portia comes down the stairs and she's like imagine a woman running her own business and it is that kind of reminder that these two are kind of getting out there and getting, getting shit done between the two of them. And I like the, what you've pointed out, that they both have to adapt their personalities in a way, the way they present themselves. Because it's like, who's Madame Delacroix really? Like, that's another thing. We don't know who she really is as well. It's like this really cool parallel between the two. Pen, regardless, gets chucked out of the room, but she doesn't actually get very far. And she kind of lingers in the, in the shadows just behind the door. And so she hears everything that Portia is about to tell Marina and Portia kind of lays down the law and she says you're going to re-enter society and you're going to find a husband and I think it's a really important thing to kind of reiterate because I think we all get lost in the pen Marina conversation because it's a, a fascinating discussion isn't it but it is important to remember that Marina had no intention of ever going along with the plan you know she it, it all came from Portia mm-hmm. and it was Portia who was so insistent yeah. that she was going to marry she was going to do it soon And you can tell that Marina doesn't want to get on board with it at all. And she continues to resist against Portia for pretty much the entire episode. So, yeah, Marina is in for a bit of a rough ride. Yeah, this is definitely a very interesting scene and lots going on. Portia tells Marina that she's going to be fitted out in the family colours in this. And we do see that later on, which I'm sure I'll talk about. But it's just funny how Marina's been doing so well in society. (laughs) And now Portia thinks that to get her a husband the yellow is gonna help as if marina's day couldn't get anywhere say yeah it's been a little bit intense over at featherington house so let's go over the square um some tea at the bridgertons and here we get our first glance of colin in the episode i mean soak him in because he's not going to speak and we'll see him one other time but we're going to enjoy every moment we get with him aren't we And in just typical Colin fashion, he's just casually snacking while the Bridgertons are discussing serious (laughs) matters such as Daphne's suitors. (laughs) Get your biscuits, my boy. Right, okay, so can I tell you my little... I don't know if you've ever noticed, but we've just been over... If you think about the shots that we've just seen, we've just been over at the Featherington house. So if you remember, obviously, the last thing was that Portia told her that she had to marry. And the shot was Marina kind of standing alone in her room and kind of to the right of the screen. We then cut to kind of this external shot of Bridgerton House and then immediately cuts to an internal shot of the whole family of the drawing room. We'll kind of put this on social media so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. But what's always really struck me about the cut between these two scenes is that if you look, Marina and Colin are in the exact same position within the frame. And I think it's an intentional way for, I think, Beans, am I right to say that Tom Verica directed this episode? Yes. 
I think that's the way, I think he used that as a kind of way to hint at the storyline that's going to unfold. So Colin is going to become the target for Portia and eventually Marina's plan. I think it's like intentional, but in a really subtle way. And it's just these kind of details that just make me like love the show so much. Do you think I'm right or do you think I'm crazy? I think you could be right. Um, I can't remember if it was season two or season one, but I literally was just watching a TikTok on Tom Verica's page, and he was he did like he posted a little video of him and the um, director of photography Jeff Jur and how how much they they like working together mm. and um, coming up with interesting shots or whatever and like kind of spitballing ideas back and forth. So if, I wonder if they work together on the same. Yeah, to kind of mm. get that um, subliminal messaging through of Marina's gonna get a husband. And it's going to be Colin. Yeah. Um, so Colin sits down with the rest of his family and Daphne and Violet are busy discussing all of her suitors. And Daphne's starting to kind of spiral a little bit under the weight of like all the decisions she has to make about all the potential suitors. But don't worry though, Daphne, because Violet is going to come up with some pretty solid love advice for you. Like, what does she say? She basically tells her not to worry and that she should, quote, must simply marry the man who feels like her dearest friend. Great advice. Wonder if anyone else could be there, possibly listening to this advice. Yeah, perhaps they should stop chewing on his biscuits and start <laughs> chewing on to those words. <laughs> Colin, if that, if that wasn't clear, babe, that was for you, um, that piece of advice. And like we said, is Colin listening to how easy it is to find the love of your life? No. Mm. He's still watching over Hyacinth and Gregory, which is very sweet and it's very good foreshadowing that Colin is going to be chosen because he's this great potential father um, for these kids that are going to be born. Yeah, and we had this last episode as well, right? Where he was playing with the kids. So in the last episode, Violet starts working on some tulip embroidery for Daphne, which she says represents passion. Mm -hmm. And you can see that she's actually working on that same piece of embroidery in this shot, in in this scene while they're having this conversation. And if you had ever noticed Penn's very interesting um, dress in the the eighth eighth episode of the second season, the last episode, she's wearing this yellow dress with tulips embroidered all over it, which represent passion, which is probably foreshadowing for pollen season. Not, not this particular moment, but the, the dress. Yeah. So this is the setup that tulips represent passion. And then I believe Antony prepares a bouquet of tulips for, for Kate in season two. And then at the end of season two, we see this tulip dress as foreshadowing for season three. So like we said, like, this is an episode that's kind of quiet on the surface. It's kind of quiet on the surface. But when you look into it, it's really laying the groundwork for all of these storylines that are going to come. So let's just hope that next season Violet remembers and just gives him a little pep talk again where she reiterates this message soon as though he hasn't heard it the first time round. But enough of tea at the Bridgen House. It's time for our first ball of the episode. What's going on with this ball? Like, I've, Is it like a bird-themed ball? I don't know. It's, it's a choice. It's a choice. There's a lot of bird cages. I'm not, I, I dig it. I like, you know, I think they do really be- well with the balls and just a slightly kind of offshoot. That's one of the things that, like, Bridgerton is just, it's so big on the visuals and we have talked about it. The balls are just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I suppose they need to find them to be unique, don't they? So I don't think Colin's there. I don't know where Colin is this entire episode, to be absolutely honest. But Penn and his sisters are there. And if you kind of look throughout this scene, you can kind of see Penn hanging out at the edges she's kind of watching over everything that's going on more hints that she's lady whistle down um, and she's especially kind of focusing on daphne and simon i have to say veg outfit watch it's not her best look um i don't mind it actually 
it's a flowery look i like a flowery look it's not the best shape but you know we've got the hint of pink underneath i think she's going i think i think there's a theme here that i'm quite not catching at this ball but she's going with it now obviously this entire ball is actually about daphne and simon and their plan to win over suitors um and then ultimately you know our favorite prince Prince Frederick is going to enter. Prince Frederick. <laughs> I don't, don't know why he keeps going French. But I do think it's kind of interesting, whilst this is all playing out with the main storyline, to kind of consider what this means for season three, really, because I think on the surface of things, there's a lot of similarities between Simon and Daphne's plan and what is going to end up being Colin's amazing, splendid plan to get Penelope a husband. Mm-hmm. And do you think... Do you think it will be quite different in reality? Do you think they're going to have to kind of, there will be overlap or can they tell the story in a new way? I think that we will see some similar sequence, but they'll have like a new spin on it, Mm. like a fresh take. Mm -hmm. For example, there's a scene in this episode where Daphne dances with a string of less than ideal Mm. suitors. And it seems like we'll see kind of um, a similar situation where Penn is dancing with suitors where either they'll be kind of quirky and she'll be failing spectacularly at the same time. I know what you mean. It's like the sequences themselves could be similar in terms of, you know, I'm sure we'll have Penelope dancing with suitors and like Colin kind of being moody to the side and the, the parts where it goes really well and then the parts where it kind of doesn't. But I suppose the difference really is their relationships and the balance between their relationships is so different. Mm-hmm. I think Simon and Daphne are a lot more balanced in where they're both coming from. They're both using each other for their own ends. You know, like Daphne's mm-hmm. trying to get her suitors and improve her, her popularity. Simon's trying to take himself off the market. So they're in that way, there's a little bit kind of more say balance to how they're doing it whereas from what we understand and what we've heard recently Penelope's going to need Colin's help and he's going to get their friendship back from it but it's kind of you know she's going to him with a very specific problem that he's going to try and fix and obviously their dynamic is different because they've known each other for so long they've had an existing friendship and relationship there um, that's been fractured and so like you say having that different spin on all the scenes even if they are on the surface kind of similar so in terms of how I think it's going to be different, Colin has already put out there that he's not courting Penelope. So mm. I don't think it's going to come from the angle of Colin ever courting Penelope. It's not like a fake dating situation, is it? Yeah, it's no. It's that's yeah. going to be the difference there, is that Simon and Daphne were fake dating. That's not going to happen with uh, Colin and Penn. Colin is just going to be a friend to her. And also the other thing too is like, the Tan knows the two of them together already like they know that colin just dances with her to like be be friends and he's rejected her publicly he's rejected her publicly so it's not like a daphne and simon thing where they're going to be fake dating it's like uh just colin is coming in to like help her out i agree and i think it's probably worth saying as well that you know when you compare all the synopses against each other the synopsis of all series only really cover the first few episodes of impact, right. like maybe like the first one or two or three at most. Um, mm-hmm. And so even if there is kind of like a similar spin initially, it's then going to go off and become a completely different story. Yeah. So yes, I agree. And obviously with things like they can't exactly be dancing together in like a romantic capacity like Daphne and Simon did. Um, because you know he shouldn't be having those feelings at all he shouldn't even pretending to be no one should think he is so it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to have to try and conceal it off to the side they shouldn't be dancing together but he may dream about her which is what i wanted to mention in this episode daphne has a little dream about simon and i bet 
we'll see Colin maybe having a dream about Penelope, which would be interesting. It, it's also, like, if you think about it, Penelope has never really viewed Colin in, in sexual mm. terms. She's never had, like, a moment yeah. where she's, like, admired him sexually. Mm-hmm. So I bet they'll both kind of undergo a, a sexual awakening in, in season three. It has to be Colin, right? It will be Colin. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think we've discussed this. There's been a lot of discussion about that on, on the subreddit and just in general, because I think we all do want Colin to have that and that will just sort of help us get in the right headspace. Do you think he's been dreaming on his travels? I I do. Without getting too weird, I believe that... She's crept into his subconscious, right, when he's away? Yeah, I think on in lonely moments on a ship, you know, his mind probably wandered. This is very... I was going to say, as much as this show is about the female gaze, we need a moment where Colin yeah. is thinking about Penn that way yeah, because we 100%. haven't seen that yet. And a good way to introduce that would be in a dream. Also, I think it's important to have Penn have that moment where she's seen as sort of a sexual object because she's had a lot of these scenes where she's seen quite childlike and she's not that sort of hot. She's not been seen as desirable within society that she's in. Exactly, yeah. And I think just having that to shift the audience's attitude especially the casual viewer they're gonna sort of see this girl who sometimes speaks in quite a childlike voice and she's sitting on the floor playing with dogs like I think for some people that will be quite an important moment that's needed to kind of have that shift into being a romantic lead so yeah I agree it's like what Nicola said about how this is the first season where she's going to kind of be seen as a woman and like that's for the yeah. audience who's kind of grown with it and the character Colin who's grown up with her and so hasn't had that moment yeah. yet of the transition from seeing her as a childhood friend that he's known we don't know how we don't know how long he's known but who's known for a really long time into a romantic interest which he's just never seen her as before also I mean we have to have we have to have him dreaming of it just because there's been too many mentions of dreams and fantasies and it needs to come back and bite him, right? That's right. It has His to. wildest fantasies. <gasps> Technically, Fife's wildest fantasies, so maybe we go into Fife's brain. But and, and we <laughs> yeah. will track this, but throughout both seasons, it's very interlaced with their dialogue and, like, how they... And, you know, Marina brings it up and throws it in Penelope's face. Um, it gets mentioned a lot about dreams and fantasies, and that's mm-hmm. that has to come and bite him. He needs, like... We need, like, episode three or four or whatever to be like this, you know, like the dream sequence that um, Daphne has where he's going to wake up and he's going to be like, shit. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want Colin to suffer. We are not a Colin Dwa Sufria um, podcast, although Veg sometimes dabbles. Veg veg, veg dips a toe in. But I think that's going to be really satisfying for everyone to kind of see that bounce back. And also get into his subconscious a bit. Because, you know, he's spent enough time suppressing himself that it would be good for us to get a a chance to dig in. Also, just kind of going back to the themes again, every season has had a dream sequence. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, Daphne with Simon, the wedding wedding dream sequence in season two is just something that, like, Bridgerton does, and they'll probably kind of stick to that format anyway. And again, it would be nice to see it from Colin's perspective because we so much see how Penn feels towards Colin. She's and, kind of always seen him through yeah, a little bit of a yeah. haze, right? And so I think it's important for us to see it 
through Colin's eyes. And again, it's like a it's like a Bridgerton thing. Like the Bridgertons yeah. are maladaptive daydreaming. <laughs> <laughs> and it does always come from the comes from the sibling perspective, doesn't it? Really, I think we need that sequence, especially for for him. It's just gonna be beautiful karma. So leaving the ball behind, it's actually time for us to hop over to Somerset House um, because a new art wing is opening, as uh, Lady Whistledown reliably informs us. The other thing that she mentions is it's not just artwork that's going to be on display. She says that the lovely Miss Marina Thompson, who's newly recovered from a mysterious illness, is finally expected to rejoin the season. So, lo and behold, the Featheringtons all do appear outside Somerset House. Just to interject, this is not actually Somerset House. This is, in fact, the Queen's House in Greenwich, which is at the foot of uh, Greenwich Park. And I have ice skated there. <laughs> that's just what I wanted to say. <laughs> that's a do-do-do-do-do, some veg lore. <laughs> but lovely building. What's really interesting about when all the Featheringtons kind of pile around Prince Friedrich is that if you kind of look really, really carefully in the corner, like Pen, you just see this little blur of yellow pull herself mm-hmm. back and she kind of is observing once again. Um, I have to say, I really like her outfit here. Have I been desensitised or is this actually a really super cute outfit that she's got on? I love this dress too. Jumping inside Somerset House. Oh, let's head in. We see Colin in a little ensemble. Not a big, uh, you know, you know that we're big fans of the neck here, aren't we? We are part of the Free the Neck campaign. Yeah, maybe a (laughs) campaign in vain, I'm afraid, but... Yeah, it's just a nice ensemble. It's kind of the dark blues that we're going to see in season three, right? That's true. It's kind of the same colour palette. That's true. Which is interesting because he has such a, a mixed colour palette in um, in season one that really kind of... We don't see the baby blue until season two. And I suppose that's partially because the, the designers mm. changed, right? Um, so they kind of mm-hmm. took him down. And also he hadn't... You know, his story in season two is very, very different to this one. And so the designer has worked on Bridgerton before, but this particular season he's the head designer. Mm. But it was different oh, okay. to, who was it in season two? It was Sophie Canale? Yeah. Sophie Canale. Yeah. He worked, I believe, on the first season, like, help with the designs. But the, in this particular season, he is the head designer. John Glazer. John Glazer, correct. It's kind of like going back. He's yeah. being inspired by that initial colour palette a little bit and kind of carrying that through. So, um, but yeah, you're right. This is the second glimpse of Colin that we get this episode. And it's sadly going to be the last time we're going to see him. So let's kind of get everything out of it in the brief seconds that we have with him. This is also a cute little moment for for Colin as uh, his family is entering the art gallery. Violet tries to do some matchmaking with Antony and he kind of shrugs her off and then she turns to Benedict and he shrugs her off. Then she turns to Colin who is just, yeah, he's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll escort you in. I'll be, I'll be the mama's boy. <laughs> and we see some other moments like that through this, um, this season. But yeah, I think they have a close relationship. But yeah, Colin gets dragged off by Violet, but we're going to stop by Penn and Eloise because they're busy staring at this painting on the wall. If you're interested, I do know what painting this is. It's called Venus and Nymphs. Um, it's from 1776 and it's by, oh, Veg, you're going to have to test me in French here. Oh. Louis-Jean-François Lagrenet. Sounds legitimate enough. No one's going to stop me. 1776. That's where the divide in the podcast. (laughs) It's uh, 4th of July weekend. (laughs) This is very apt. Yeah. (laughs) We're trying to reunite our countries, get goodwill with a French artist. I assume it's French. Um, It's called Venus and the Nymphs Bathing. Um, But Elle doesn't give a shit. She's not impressed. Penn looks kind of bemused. They're having this nice little chat together about how uninspiring the male gaze is in art, which 
I think we all wholeheartedly endorse that opinion. But Penn is going to get distracted in a second because Marina gets dragged past by Portia and kind of turns and like begs her cousin for help. So Penn kind of ditches Eloise. He's a little bit annoyed, but you know, she'll come back and get her um, because Portia is on the march and she is fully going ahead with her plan, whether Marina likes it or not. So Penn gets to give hero complex Colin a little time off this week uh, by swooping in here to rescue Marina. And Portia is not happy with that and calls her a, quote, meddlesome little wench. Uh, but she tries. She does the best. I mean, yeah, she's she's picking that cape off the floor where Colin's left it. And she, she gives it a go at rescuing Marina herself. But yeah, Portia tries to introduce Marina to this guy called, I think he's Lord Middlethorpe. And yeah, Penn swoops in, tries to pull her away. There's this little moment where, you know, Penelope's trying to pull her cousin away. Marina's like, yep, I'm all in with this. Let's go out of here. And Lord Middlethorpe, or whoever he is, tries to like rejoin the conversation. And then Marina kind of turns really sharply to him and like very abruptly dismisses him. And, you know, he gets pissed off. He throws some insults to her about how she's got an ugly personality or something like that. But I think what's really interesting is the way that Portia and Penn both look at Marina in this moment. They're both kind of like slightly taken aback at how Marina handled that situation. I think this is the first scene where we see Marina having her own agency regarding her situation. Before that, she's just kind of submitted to Portia's whims. She's let them lock her up in her bedroom. And, you know, she's been writing to George, as Penelope has said. And now she's been presented with this situation where she's trying to be forced into this matchmaking scheme that Portia wants to arrange. And she's finally expressing her own opinions and trying to stall that. Yeah, she's being paraded about in front of 50, 60-year-old men. I would be snappy too. <laughs> and she has yeah. she has no reason. I know, you know, I know that she's staying at the house and It's not like she has much choice in that. She's kind of reliant on them mm. in terms of that. But mm-hmm. in terms of how she's gonna make the feather and things look to the ton, she doesn't like why should she care that her sort of distant cousins? Yeah. And I think it's what you said, like about like this is the only agency she gets in her story. Pretty much throughout most of it, you know, she does have some other moments more tragic than others as well, where she tries to take control of her own life. But, you know, the society that they're in and the position that she's been left in, rightly or wrongly by George, whether his intentions were good or not, as we still don't know at this point in the episode, you know, she, yeah, she's a bit tetchy. I think what is quite fascinating is the way that, you know, I think Portia and Penn are both characters who have that side to them too. I'd say it's a Featherington trait, but it can't be because... It doesn't matter, but she comes from the other side of the family. But I think that this is a side of Marina that they didn't really expect, like a a fire in her that they didn't anticipate. Mm. And, you know, this is where Portia's really, her cogs are starting to really turn in her head about how she's going to handle this problem that she sees. And I think it's interesting as well, because even though Penelope is still very much on side with Marina at this point, this fire that Marina has in her determination will go head to head with Penelope's own. And that's where the clash is really going to come in a few episodes time where when the plot starts to kind of unravel and Colin gets tangled into it. So it's a real kind of Featherington v Featherington standoff. And yet Portia released that because she kind of says that things are going to have to change. Marina doesn't grasp the gravity of the situation. And yeah, shit's going to start hitting the fan pretty soon. And by soon, I mean yeah. kind of the next scene that we get with Featheringtons. Um, so Portia has taken Marina to a poor part of town and she's trying to scare her into going along with her plan. Um, but Marina, is, she's still kind of insisting in, in however way she can. And um, she still thinks that George loves her, um, which really kind of irritates Portia as well, because Portia's not really known that kind of love, has she? So she probably right. finds it incredibly frustrating that, that that, you know, the true love angle is kind of been rammed against her. 
And Portia mm-hmm. sees that as like such a naive way to look at the world. And it's a real battle of wills between the two of them in this scene. And like I say, something that's going to end up transferring to Penelope mm-hmm. and Marina later on. I did find it interesting that, you know, to go back a little bit, Portia basically devised this plan on her own. She yeah. faked the letter from George and mm-hmm. everything. And then she showed her the space and then at the same time was like trying to comfort her and be like, this is the best for you. And it's so manipulative. And I know I said that I loved Portia before. <laughs> this episode, <laughs> I do not. <laughs> Just as an aside, that scene where Portia does take Marita to town, she's wearing this pink capelet that um, Penelope rewears in season two when she goes and spies on Eloise at the publishers. Redo. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, it's the way that they the kind of like parallels with the covert way of entering into society that kind of uh, Penelope does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're both in dangerous parts of town. Yeah. Too. That's the little capelet they wear. When they go to the dangerous parts of town, <laughs> you put on your little pink no. capelet and you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but back at Featherington House, Pen is still keeping vigil at her window. Still waiting for the post to arrive. I really like her dress here. Yeah, it's a good look. It's cute. I call it the doily dress. I don't know if the American <laughs> Do you have doilies cohort in of this podcast. Yeah, like the little knit oh. things that you put on tables. Yeah. <laughs> like your grandmother may have done. It's a southern thing, for sure. <laughs> uh, my grandparents had them, too. But. Oh, you know really? what? She would be at home in Gone with the Wind in this dress. Yeah, she's definitely channeling that kind she of vibe, be. I think. I do think pink's her colour, to be honest. Good dress. Good. She looks absolutely adorable. And, you know, the post has arrived. So she runs back downstairs, rifles through, and lo and behold... It's a letter from Spain. She is so excited. And again, like it's that thing that you'd said earlier, of like I imagine that that was her a lot more contained reaction, I think, when she'd have got letters from Colin because she couldn't have really made it a big deal. But that excitement. <laughs> I wonder if she also ran up to her room and did the thing she does in this scene where she puts her hands on her face really adorably because <laughs> she's just so excited. She looks so genuinely thrilled um, for her cousin, which is what we were saying earlier. You know, she really does... She really is invested in this happy ending. But it all goes wrong pretty quickly because Marina reveals that George has said that he doesn't want anything to do with her. He denies any involvement. He's completely rejecting her and the baby. And Penelope kind of grabs a letter of her and she looks she looks like completely just shocked and confused because, you know, in her mind, I think she'd written the end of this story. You know, she's a writer and she kind of loves these, these narratives. And I think she'd like already planned that they were going to have this beautiful happy ending and it kind of crumbles before her. It's just this horrible shattering of this love story and it is made worse because Beans, as you were just saying, who's to blame for this? Portia. (laughs) You know, yes, Portia, I loved her last episode, but not this episode because my girl, (laughs) she really decided to just turn the oven real high to just, (laughs) she is the catalyst for all, everything, um, Mm -hmm with which happens with marina yeah mm-hmm. and her scheming is real shitty <laughs> it almost makes me wonder in season three i think a lot of us believe that Penn will either reject colin's proposal mm-hmm. or maybe even break off their engagement at some point portia has this thing where she will make these decisions that she thinks that are in the best interest of everyone and i wonder if she'll make a decision like this where she's either trying to support Penn or maybe trying to sabotage her in some way because she thinks it's better for Mm -hmm. her in season Mm -hmm. three if she thinks Colin isn't genuine or if she thinks Penn has a better option or maybe maybe 
it's something that Penn inherits from her and does that. Because there was a lot of parallel, there's a lot of crossover with Penelope and Portia and a lot of Penelope's, especially Lady Whistledown's character, comes from her mother, really. And is is this a decision that, that Penelope's going to make? Is she going to kind of lean into that side of her? And it's this kind of breaking of a spirit that we really see here. And you, we hear that horrible wail from Marina. It, it shatters an illusion for Penelope as well, a little bit, because this is so against the, the story that she'd written. Um... Mm-hmm. In a way that she kind of, in the end of season two, started to write her own little story, not on her, you know, no fault of her own. I think it was, she was very much led down it as well. But, you know, that kind of comparison of her kind of spirit was a bit broken. Maybe not a spirit, but her illusion was broken at the end of season two. Um, I mean, that wasn't Portia's fault, was it? We all know who's to blame for that little shenanigan. But, um, yeah, so it, this is the moment where the story really changes and the shift in Marina's participation in the plan that's going to unfold over the next few episodes and is going to drag Colin and drag Penn back into the back into it all. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good being to just kind of remember that we're going to get tangled in the next few episodes about Penn against Marina and the mm-hmm. ethics of decisions that were made by both mm-hmm. of them, especially Penelope. Um, mm-hmm. But it is kind of important to remember where it came from and to remember where Marina's participation came from. It wasn't kind of this malicious character coming in. It was this break, this targeted breaking of someone's spirit. Um, yeah, and I do. I kind of like Portia in a. She's a survivor, right? She is. She is. Yeah, I really hope she stays out of it in series three. If I'm honest, <laughs> she won't. But uh, <laughs> we know she won't. <laughs> Almost if series three is kind of. I know. I know she'll have the moment. She'll probably get carried away with like. Mm-hmm wedding planning and or some something like that but i'm hoping that 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 she isn't a big villain in series three because she could have a, a really interesting arc in season just, three there's gonna Penelope. yeah and there's gonna be so much stuff that happens that so many different obstacles that are thrown in the way because that's just how Shondaland works yeah but, and we've had her be a villain before that i just think it would be nice to have a good character arc for her like something redeeming Mm -hmm. Mm because she does have a lot of faults yeah she doesn't treat pen right and you know i bet we will get that for her because yeah we're not sure if we'll see much of the featheringtons after season three so i i do think they'll have kind of a a fully realized arc for for portia in season three and i think the other thing is i mean she isn't necessarily a full villain she's the definition of a great character isn't she yeah she's always thinking of her family's appearance and how to fit into the ton and stuff like that and marina has caused a wedge in her Mm. reputation and they already struggle so hard to Mm. be like you know to be thought of well within the ton and so i don't i don't agree with her actions i can see where she's coming from though earlier in this episode i mean it was such a tiny moment but i think anthony was um gambling with lord featherington that kind of was dug into a little tiny little bit more about you know he's a reckless father and he's not and yeah so a lot of Mm. Portia's actions it's just some terrible actions come from Mm -hmm. self-preservation but not just of herself of her and you know she knows her husband's not there for but her and her girls and and that comes out negatively in the way that she treats Penelope for example um but yeah probably because she also sees a lot of herself in Penelope as well 100 percent. but you know we had at the end of season two the line that she said about you know she's mother and she's misguided a lot of the time but actions like this 
are coming from that kind of place. But yeah, so there isn't really time for Marina to kind of process what's happened. Because we've got another poll to go to. Get your energy levels up. I think we're feeling a bit battered, (laughs) but we're getting there. Once again, Colin is nowhere to be seen. So where the hell he's been all episode, I don't know. But the Featheringtons are out in full force again. And Marina is included. And... They all kind of appear, and this is referred to as the ingenue ball because of Daphne, Um, and you know, all the Featheringtons appear, and Marina kind of gets spoken to by a suitor, and I think it's very clear that there's something that's snapped within her, and you know, Portia really knew how to play her, and I think this is the moment where Penelope's relationship with her is going to really change. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, they... Mm are both wearing yellow in this Mm. scene so Mm -hmm. i said i'd come back to it we've got this move to you know she's sort of threatened to put her in the family colors and and she's done that here and they're both in yellow which is obviously yeah penelope's color yeah so penelope's color uh portia's wearing blue which we know is a bridgeton Mm -hmm. color Mm -hmm. i think that's kind of hinting at a little bit as well schemes afoot what's heartbreaking is that (laughs) to me anyway is it's not that deep veg, but... It's always that deep. Marina has the nicer yellow of the two yellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Penelope's is kind of this... It's ugly greenish yellow. awful. Mm-hmm. And once again, once again, we just want to put a disclaimer. We just want to say we love the costume designers. We totally, totally understand yeah, what they're doing. we do. We're just saying... Yeah, we get your vision. We get your vision. <laughs> so I wrote down in my notes, quote... This dress, my God, Daphne entrance, stunning pen horror show. (laughs) (laughs) Nicola still carries it off somehow because she is just innately beautiful, but it's like this, I don't know what colour you'd call it. It's like toxic yellow. The fabric is like gathered. There's like this... The ruffles on the the side. This fluorescent, fluorescent pink um, gloves matching. It's They're out in full force, the Featheringtons. And it's, you know, Marina had pretty much always been in like the country colors right like mm-hmm. her palette had been really soft and like, kind of like floral the fabrics had been very like soft you know she, she'd been in like a lot of pale colors a lot of rustic styles and she's fully transitioned and this kind of like marks the start of marina being in on the plan unhappily but yeah and uh yeah and shit is gonna shit is gonna hit the fan there's also some Lady Whistledown foreshadowing mm. in the scene. We see Penelope watching the prince as Daphne makes her big entrance in this scene. And then we have that voiceover where Lady Whistledown is speaking as she's watching Simon storm out of the ball during the prince and Daphne's dance. And I also wanted to point out during Lady Whistledown's voiceover, she says, quote, why settle for a duke when one can have a prince? And this kind of plays into what Obbs was just saying, that this is the beginning of Penelope starting to feel more cynical yes. about love and more kind of logical Ooh. about you know women having to marry Mm -hmm. so this was actually the scene that one i paid attention to the most because i finished cleaning my house (laughs) but two that i just like want to give just immense credit to the directors and editors again because even when pen comes down the stairs the way that it's edited she's looking in a different direction from her family and Mm -hmm. then it immediately cuts to simon and lady danbury giving like giving the illusion sort of that Penn is looking directly at him first yeah. because she knows that he's the talk of the town currently with Daphne. And I think it's like mm-hmm. such a good, such good editing 
and mm-hmm. direction done by everybody and acting by Nicola herself. I was so enamored with her in this scene because when you rewatch these, you just see like how hidden in plain sight she was yeah. in terms of mm-hmm. being Lady Whistledown. Yes, yeah, like Lecky, that scene, at the, which is, I think, the last shot of the episode mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. where Daphne's with um, the prince and she and everyone in the shot is completely focused on them too. Except, right. and we'll post mm. the photo on on the on our social media so you can see it. It's just Penelope's face watching Simon mm-hmm. leave the mm-hmm. room, and it, it's one of those things that you just probably wouldn't notice at first. But it's like you were saying, beans like the commitment to to weaving that story throughout, right. so that when you go back and rewatch it, you, you pick up on all these tiny, tiny, tiny little details. It just makes it so much more of like a layered experience. Um, like I mm-hmm. said, even in an episode where for us, in our perspective, it's like a slightly quieter episode for the way that we watch it. But I think it gives you room to really appreciate the, like, the layering of the story and how that's kind of conveyed through yeah, things sure. like costume, like you were saying, veg, or like editing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that kind of takes us to the end of the episode, I think, pretty much. It's been, it's been an interesting one. You know, like... What's your, what's your whistle up? What's your whistle down? <laughs> um, so my favorite scene from this episode is Violet's love advice about how you should marry your dearest mm. friend. Obviously, she's relaying that advice to Daphne and it applies to Saphne's relationship. But considering we know there are some Violet and Edmund parallels in season mm-hmm. three, I think we'll see this kind of come into play. And I hope she <laughs> <laughs> revisits this comment with Colin. What about your whistle down? Well, the low point in this episode for me is it's literally that same scene, but Colin watching his siblings play on the floor while his mom is giving life-changing love advice mere feet away. My God. It's like how many episodes could we have saved had he just been listening just a tiny little bit? So overall, how we feel about the episode. It's a weird one because they're not, like, they don't have anything to do with each other. One of the characters don't speak, but their, their story is kind of progressing in a way, but maybe not in a way that's going to end up being good for us for the next few episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would give this maybe a, like, seven bows <laughs> out of a dozen. Yeah. Uh, again, zero being the best and 12 being the worst, just because it's all going downhill from yeah. here uh, for the most yeah. part. I'd say, yeah, I was going to say the same, seven or eight. It's it's quiet one. We don't get we don't get our favourite guy. I'll go with the same. It's the calm before the storm, but it's we know the storm is coming. Mm-hmm. Any final yeah. thoughts on an episode, then? I think... I think we kind of covered everything pretty much. Took some, covered it all. <laughs> took some details along the way. Listeners, it is, well, for the, for the UK hosts amongst us, it's nearly 1am on a Sunday night. And for the mm-hmm. internationals amongst us, I don't know what time it is. But, uh, My tumblies are grumbling. <laughs> but no no extra thoughts. We all good. And then I can wrap up the episode. Yeah. No thoughts, just vibes. No thoughts, just vibes. Perfect. So thank you everyone for joining. Um, We hope you'll be back next week where we'll be breaking down season one, episode four, An Affair of Honour. As you can tell from the name of our podcast, we are very big fans of certain moments of the next week's episode. So I think we're all very much looking forward to jumping into that. What happens next episode? (laughs) We are fans of The Barb. um, So we can't wait for you to join us next week as we take you through every step of the way. In the meantime, where can everyone find us, Lek? You can find us at whatabarbpod on Instagram and TikTok. And if you are or are open to being a Redditor, we are also on reddit.com forward slash r forward slash pollen. Bridgerton. Yeah, see you later. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Yeah, bye, guys. Bye. 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 Beans. T.
take it away. Does violin do 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 do